Well, the New York Giants definitely gave us an emotional roller coaster on Sunday. Now, will we learn anything from it? Will this go into future games? Will the Giants be the same like they were in week one? Is it going to roll over to anything? I don't know. But you have to say for this game, a 31-point turnaround. Now, of course, the deficit was only 21, but 31 points for this team to score on any team after a beatdown like that they took in the first two quarters is admirable. Is admirable. But there's a lot of things that I think played into that. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. Be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, comment, do all the good stuff. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Also, share this out as well. So, I originally predicted a victory for the New York football Giants on, what was it, Friday, which was technically Saturday for the podcast purposes and whatnot. And the Giants looked flat to start. I mean, we'll get the stats, we'll get to some other stuff as well, because that's all incorporated in what we do here. But the Giants looked friggin' flat to start, and it looked like first half, this team is a bunch of Eeyores. This team is just hanging their friggin' heads low, and, you know, it's just not working out, and it looks like the season isn't ours. Well, again, don't know what happened at halftime. There's suspicions about play calling that I'll get into. And I think it has to be more than play calling. I really do think it has to be more than play calling. Now, it could be a factor, but I feel like something must have been said for this team to turn around from a 21-point deficit and score 31. There has to be like some sort of reason. And I know there's those fans that will say, well, you know, we lost to Arizona. They're a tanking team. I don't think players tank. And listen, I get it. You know, they're, they're a team that's not very good. They probably will be one of the worst NFL teams coming out, and they'll probably get a high pick in next year's draft. But you do have to admire the comeback. Like, you know, I don't know if people were saying the same thing, different things when Minnesota came back last year against the Indianapolis Colts. So take it as you will. And this is not me being fanboy, positive, yeah, go team, go. I will criticize the team in this podcast. I mean, I do it pretty much every time when it comes to positives and negatives, but you know what? I mean, th- there is a lot of negative to take away from this. There, There is, trust me. So let's go into the stats. Daniel Jones, 26 at 37, 321 yards, two touchdowns to INT, three sacks taken. Uh, Josh Dobbs, 238 yards, 21 completions on 31 attempts, a touchdown. Uh, Saquon, rushing-wise, 17 carries, 63 yards, 3.7 Yards per carry, a touchdown. Daniel Jones had nine carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. That averaged out to 4.7 yards per carry on the rushing game. Total, 27 carries, 127 yards. Though you can say with Saquon, maybe some of those extra rushing yards at the end, uh, there was one where he just took it to the right and just sat. So it kind of told you that they were going for field goal range, so maybe that would have made a difference, maybe not in the yards per carry in the in the rushing yards as well. So for the Arizona rushing game, they they were pretty damn good at it. 23 carries, 106 yards, a touchdown for James Conner. Josh Dobbs, 3 carries, 41 yards, a touchdown. And then Keontae Ingram and uh, Amari DeMarcado both got carries, but, I mean, it didn't mean much. Leading receiver, let's start with New York. Jalen Hyatt had two receptions for 89 yards. Two big plays changed the game. 
Um, Darren Waller had six catches for 76 yards. Darius Slayton, three catches, 62 yards. Isaiah Hodgins, four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. And Barkley also had a receiving touchdown uh, out of the backfield. And then Paris Campbell and Sterling Shepard also got involved. Michael Wilson had three catches for 56 yards. Uh, Zach Ertz also tore us apart a little bit. Six catches, 56 yards. Marquise Brown had six receptions for 54 yards. Trey McBride also factored in as well with Rondell Moore and Zach Pascoe and a couple other guys as well. The Giants' defense totaled out to, let's see, we got uh, six quarterback hits, two pass deflections, seven tackles for loss, no sacks. That's going to be a big talking point with the defense. Um, Jay Pinn had the lead for total tackles and three tackles for a loss. You also had Dexter Lawrence, two quarterback hits and a tackle for a loss. Deontay Banks had a tackle for a loss. Michael McFadden had a quarterback hit. A pass deflection for Dory Jackson, Xavier McKinney. O'Shane Zimenez with two quarterback hits and Kayvon Thibodeau with one. Then you take a look at the defense for the Arizona Cardinals. A tackle for a loss for Kaiser White, Jalen Thompson, and Chris Barnes. Also a pass deflection for Thompson and Barnes because your white had a sack and a quarterback hit. Dennis Gardeck had two tackles for a loss, a quarterback hit, and sack. Half a sack for Zaven Collins spit, split Excuse me, with Victor Demukehi. I think that's the name. My apologies if I'm getting it wrong. And two quarterback hits. Also a pass deflection for Carlos Watkins and Andre Shashare in that as well. So they totaled out to five quarterback hits, three sacks, five tackles for loss, seven pass deflections. Now you look at team stats. First downs, Giants had 26, they had 24. Giants had 15 passing first downs, 11 for the Cardinals, 10 rushing first downs for each team, three first downs from penalties for the Cards, one for the Giants, third down efficiency. Giants were 7 and 12, 4 10. The Cardinals, they never went for it on fourth down. The Giants did, they were one for one. Total plays. The Giants ran 67-64, the Cards. Total yards, 439 for the Giants, 379 for the Cards. 10 total drives each. Yards for play, the Giants were 6.6 yards for play, 6.3 for the Cards. Red zone attempts, Giants were 4 for 5 and 2 for 3 for the Cards. Giants took a lot of penalties this game, 9 for 75 yards, and then 8 for 57 for the Arizona Cardinals. One turnover, that was the interception that was popped up by Saquon. And intercepted by Jalen Thompson. Not too far off. <coughs> excuse me. On time of possession. 29-23 for the Giants. 33, excuse me, 30-37 for the Arizona Cardinals. So let's talk about the offense. The offense, we're going to criticize a lot of people this show. And if you don't like that, go somewhere else. Because I have to call the facts the facts. This is a beta spade. The offense looked like dog shit the first Two quarters. And I have to think it's more than play calling. I really do. I have to think it's more than play calling. Did I like the play calling? No, I didn't. I felt it was a little predictable. The run wasn't working. I thought they overthought some shit. There was, what, the first drive of the game, we were marching down on Cardinal territory, third and two. They go for a pass play. I mean, that situation is where you want to run the football. So, again, revisionist history, all these different things, but it's like, that's a running situation, man. I mean, put in Brita, put in Brightwell, do that T formation type thing that they're doing. So, I mean, I didn't like the play calling. 
just a preference of mine. They took one or two deep shots in the first half. Jones missed Slayton badly on a deep route, which he beat his man. So, I mean, I just didn't like that. I didn't like the play overall. I mean, the one thing I will say is this. I don't think the offensive line was much of a factor as what people were talking about. I think Mark Slayer said on the broadcast or the offensive line this. And I'm not here to homer the offensive line. Like, I'll say what it is, when it is, the facts, the facts, the facts. But they didn't do a terrible job. And guaranteed, yes, they played against Arizona. They weren't playing against the Rams, the 49ers, the Cowboys, whatever. But for a unit that was pretty much stapled and pinned together last minute, I mean, you had Marcus McKeithen, who was placed in two hours before the game. They said Glowinski's benched. You had Azudu pinned at left tackle, who played very well. I mean, he gave up a sack, so did McKeithen, but, I mean, you're going to have that. JMS played outstanding, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know where PFF ranks him, all these different things, but his pass block efficiency or pass block win rate, one of those two stats, was first among centers. Now, of course, the stats have yet to come out for the Monday night games, but I would like to think that nobody's really going to match that level. And again, yes, you played the cards. But I'm going to not throw shade, but I'm going to make a point as well. Nick Gates, he was the center for the Commanders. Gave up two sacks. Pass block efficiency wasn't there. But you take a look at JMS, and he faced the same front. I mean, maybe they had a defensive lineman or two missing. Uh, Josh Woods, I think, and LJ Collier. But I don't think they played on the interior. So just some things to note there. JMS did a wonderful job. Mark Lewinsky had to come in late. Ben Bredesen has a concussion. I don't think he's going to play on Thursday. So Glowinski is probably going to be the left guard. Now, he did play better. He didn't play exceptionally well, but he played better. So I would like to think maybe it's a Neal-Glowinski combination that shouldn't be on the right side. Like, Glowinski is an average guard at best, and, you know, I have a Neal still figuring some shit out. So um, maybe just don't have that combo. But when Andrew Thomas comes back and Ben Bredesen returns after um, the 49er game, I would like to think that they should reshuffle this line a little bit. And I'm not going to sit here and say this, this, and this, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Josh Azudu has earned playing time. Like, he has not looked worse than Evan Neal and Glowinski at those positions. And, of course, yeah, he hasn't played guard yet this season. But maybe, maybe you experiment with moving Neal inside and Azudu at right. I mean, with the way Azudu is playing, I mean, you could probably sense the pressure from the right side. It's not, oh, my God, it's instant, right? But, of course... There's going to be situations where it is instant. And either way, it's going to be a learning process. It's going to be a learning curve. But guys aren't playing well, and you have to make adjustments. And that has to be one of the adjustments. So, um, and I know, obviously, people are going to say, oh, you know, you were calling for fire Bobby Johnson last show. You know, I, I kind of was almost on that train. But I want to see how the O-line does against top-tier units. Right? It's not going to be a perfect performance. I think it's going to be three, four sacks we gave up on Thursday. But... They have to perform, and we can't be so knocked down sticking to the scheme. Or these rotations. Like, we didn't rotate anyone because obviously a starter went out, but we'll see. But as far as the awful first half goes, I think there were maybe a few drops in there. I think DJ could have made stuff happen. And you guys don't see me, you know, being real critical of DJ most of the time. Like, last week I wasn't too critical. Though I did bring up some points about he missed throws because of the offensive line and whatnot. 
I mean, the first half for DJ was just light, night and day, excuse me. It was light and dark, if anything. Um, I mean, just, he was missing a couple of throws. And I get it. Listen, he wasn't really much outside the pocket. He was taking sacks and stuff like that. It wasn't a good performance to where you actually had me considering should the Giants take a quarterback next year or should the Giants move on from DJ? And I don't think like that often. He turned it around in the second half, but I mean, down 20 to nothing to the league's worst team is a little scary. So let's talk about the turnaround. The turnaround that the Giants made. Arguably the first play that turned the whole thing around was Jalen Hyatt. Now the defense, of course, gave up a touchdown, which we'll talk about the defense in its own light. But, but, that deep throw to Hyatt opened things up. It opened things up for the Giants offense. Now, I am one of those people, call me conspiracy theorists, that think that Brian Dable was calling plays. If not, he was making some sort of adjustments or overriding what Kafka was saying. Because Kafka was sitting there twiddling his thumbs and you had uh, Brian Dable with a play sheet, which he's really never had. I mean, obviously, as an offensive coordinator, he had that. But as a Giants head coach, I've never really seen him with the play sheet. So... I'm going to be honest, I don't really understand to where people maybe don't make the connection that he wasn't calling plays or something like that. I don't know. But I thought he was calling plays. Now, it is a bit scary that you have to do that because, I mean, you would like Kafka to have some input on the offense. But if Dave has to call plays, that takes away from him being a CEO. Now, of course, Sean McVay is not a CEO head coach. He calls plays. Todd Bowles calls defensive plays for the Bucks. So there's a couple of guys like that, but I mean, it's always been, you know, Giants, you know, whoever the OC is, they call plays, DC, same thing. So whether it's the Giants being aggressive, and I'll say this before I go on to DJ second half and, you know, all these different things. What I saw in the second half is what I saw against Green Bay and is what I saw against the Vikings in the playoff game. Opening up play action. Short yardage runs, they take them. Because with the passing game, and I know a lot of people are old school, the run sets up the pass, pass sets up the run. It could go two different ways depending on the tempo of the game. But what I saw is passing game opening up the running game. They opened up play action, and then sometimes they didn't know when the Giants were running the football. Like there was a third down and four, I believe. And they thought the Giants were going to pass it. They do a, a draw to Barkley. He goes there. And I'll give the Giants shout-outs for this, too. I know everybody's shitting on the play right now. Everybody's saying, oh, we got we to gotta eliminate the tush-push. Which, by the way, if you don't know what that is, that's the Eagles quarterback sneak play. Giants said, you know what? If we can't stop it, we're going to add it to our playbook. And nobody can stop it. So that's what they did. Unless your QB falls, he fumbles, something like that. It works. It is one of the most unstoppable plays. Now, you don't do it every single play. But on short yardage situations, that's something to take up. And I think the Giants will continue to do that. If the Eagles have success with it, fine. I'd love that the Giants have success with it. So, shouts to Dable and Kafka, whoever decided to finally incorporate that. Because it seemed like on 31 situations in the preseason, the Giants were not getting crap done. Daniel Jones in the second half versus the Cardinals. 17-21. 259 yards. Two touchdowns. 12.3 yards per attempt. Eight rushes. 58 yards. One touchdown. I mean... Wow. 
that is that is a turnaround if I've ever seen one. That's where you can say Daniel Jones, obviously, you know, he has the grit, he has the grind. That's where you could say, okay, this team doesn't waver in certain areas. Because you started getting Darren Waller involved with slants and play action plays. Darius Slayton was getting involved. Jalen Hyatt was getting involved. He only had 14 snaps in the game. And we'll get to snap counts. But I would like to see him more. I think he's ready. If you could have him take the top of a defense and then have Slayton in the middle of the field and then Waller there as well, if the O-line at least gives some solid time to protect, I don't have a problem with that. And the one thing you're going to have to really cake in this week is that you have no Saquon Barkley. Do you have Andrew Thomas? I don't know. But you have no Saquon Barkley. So you're going to have to filter in a running game with Brightwell and um, Eric Gray, of course, the rookie, who I didn't think did bad on that one punt return he got, and then Matt Breed as well. So that's something you're going to have to cake up for Thursday or else you're not going to have any success on offense. Um, so I think the O-line's just got to do a decent job, really. But shout-outs to Daniel Jones. Shout-outs to the entire offense for picking it up pretty much in the, in the second half. And you know what I saw as well? Is there were a few penalties, right? There was the Evan Neal holding penalty, which some will dispute. There was a couple false starts mixed in there. whatnot. But the team didn't waver. Like, that could be like, oh, you, this, this game's over. They're not converting in the red zone. No. They came back and fought. They came back and fought from those penalties. You know, the throw to Hodgins was the next play after the Evan Neal holding penalty. And that's, again, where I was talking about. This is something I saw in the Vikings game in the playoffs. Literally was that. Isaiah Hodgins literally ran the same route that he did in the playoffs for that famous touchdown. And he gave the ball to his son, which is always, you know, nice. And so it's always a family thing. So offense, got to give creds to the second half, not the first half, though. Let's talk about the defense. I really don't have much praise. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins, I thought they played well. My personal opinion. Uh, there was one or two penalties on them. Hawkins almost had an interception, but he didn't, which was actually a better thing because the Giants would have been at the one-yard line, and that would have taken more time. And Banks, I think, had one or two receptions given up. So I think the rookie cornerbacks played well. Now let's start from the front to the back. Dexter Lawrence, yeah, he's not getting sacks, but he's getting quarterback hits and quarterback pressures. That's where I can credit him. That's where I could say he's showing up, and he's facing a lot of double teams. Now, here's the issue I have. Where is Tibbs and Leonard Williams? Aziz Ojolari, he's, he's injury prone. We've talked about this. And I even said it. I literally said it, and I called it in my preview for the X Factor, the defense video. I said the absence of Aziz Ojolari or general, the edge depth, is going to be what makes or breaks this defense. It's the truth. It's literally what's happening right now. And, of course, you could add Leonard Williams in there. And I have some bones to pick with Wink Martindale. And I like him as a coach, but you know what? There's certain things that you can't do. Disappearance of Tibbs and Leonard Williams again. Like, Leonard Williams, you're playing up against Elijah Wilkinson. And you're playing up against Will Hernandez. They're not good guards. They're average at best. Like, I know Wilkinson was a former tackle of the Broncos. Hernandez, we all know the name. And then Yachty yelled a freehold. Something like that. It was the center. And, of course, Dex was obviously matched up against him. But where's the pressure, man? 
Do you guys know that Leonard Williams, I don't think, recorded a single stat this game? Like, he maybe had a pressure or two, but that's it. And I don't expect him to be this, you know, 10-sack guy or whatever. Dude, you're on a contract, you're getting paid like $32 million. I would hope to expect. And this, honestly, is where I'll give Joe Shane credit, right? We know the mega contract, all these different things. I kind of like him for not touching that contract in the Doris contract. Because that would land them another year in blue. And right now, Leonard Williams and Adoree Jackson are not even close to earning it. They're really not. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. So we talked about Leonard Williams. Kayvon Tibbs. Fifth overall pick. Obviously has the dressing uh, style of I don't know what. Make your judgments. That's not what I'm focusing on. What I'm focusing on is play style. Now, I've heard the things of you know he's dropping tibs in coverage meaning wink i don't and that's obviously a problem that needs to be fucking fixed i don't care who it is what it is whatever if wink's sitting here dropping tibs in coverage why he was never that much of a guy like that you know we have isaiah simmons who can at least cover at a decent level tibs was never that guy in college now if he is playing mostly true pass sets from the you know obviously if they're playing true pass sets from the other side and Tibbs is not getting there I'm like I I don't know what to say at this point it's starting to become a little worrisome kind of like it is Evan Neal you know I'm not saying he's a bust or anything but this guy's fifth overall value and he was one of the best players coming out of college and now it just seems like he's not making any impact and I saw him against he was either Trey McBride or Zach Ertz and he was he was not getting through I don't know what it is like we can't sit here and say oh he's being held he's being held that was last year that's the honeymoon this is now this is a team that's expected to compete and this is a team that's growing and they need to make the next step Tibbs is one of those guys like I'm tired of these sophomore fucking slumps I, I really am to be honest with you and I'm not giving up on Tibbs but you know what if you didn't show up against the Cardinals what makes you think that you you know all of us can have the confidence to sh- for you to show up against the 49ers, against the Rams, against the Jets, against some of these other teams? Because the Eagles, I mean, hell. So there's that. Micah McFadden, I thought, had a very bad day, which, you know, he was solid in week one in the limited snaps. He had four missed tackles. The defense had 12 missed tackles total. It's not something that's going to get it done. I would like Isaiah Simmons to get more snaps. Not that he's an every down backer and all these different things, but I mean he's he, he can make an impact. He really did on third down is where I admired him the most. You know, I get it. There was some third down trap plays where it was basically you know third and seventeen, and they were doing the short routes just to get yardage for punting or whatever. But I mean, um, that's where Isaiah Simmons kicked in third down, and I don't know that he was sent on blitz as much. I mean, I have to look at the numbers, but. So I personally, again, I would like for Isaiah Simmons to play more snaps. Hopefully that happens as we go along. Now, let me get to the secondary. Excuse Deontay Banks. Excuse Trey Hawkins. Adoree Jackson has not looked good. He's not looked good. This is the same system last year he was in. I don't understand what the issue is, what the concept is. Maybe they're throwing more shade his way because of the rookies. I don't know. But it needs to get fixed, man. I mean, I don't know what his salary is this year, but again, not looking good. He's missing a few tackles here and there, giving up some big plays in coverage. It's not a Dory Jackson like we know. 
I'm not expecting him to be an all-pro lockdown, but we were hyping this guy as at least one of the more underrated number one corners in the NFL, and he's just not proven up to that. And I'll say this as well, Xavier McKinney, the first game he played well. The second game, uh-uh, no, 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 he didn't play well this game. He got trucked by Josh Dobbs. And it's interesting because he's another guy that's on a contract year. Another guy is on a contract year. So he needs to figure it out. I don't think Jason Pinnock played well. I really don't. Yeah, he got the three tackles for loss. He's a box safety, whatnot. But, I mean, in coverage, he was terrible. I'm going to say it right now. In coverage, he was not good. He was getting mixed up by a couple of rubs. Um, could not cover Zach Ertz. And I get it. He only had like 58 yards. But, I mean, the preseason hype does not match the regular season hype. And I knew it wouldn't. Like, I'm not trying to be this pessimist, but I knew it wouldn't. Because Jason Pinnock is not this Pro Bowl player. Or this, you know, I don't know, Adrian Amos in his prime. Or this, that, and the other guy. So, those are my gripes about the defense. Now, specifically in terms of personnel and play calling. I really don't like as to why they let Josh Dobbs run all over them. Not literally run, but like pass. Where was the pressure? And there were times they got pressure, but like there was a few plays downfield where it was just, you fucking kidding me, like this guy caught it? Maybe one or two. I remember the play on the sideline that Dable challenged, and then one in the middle of the field. But there was a play like they sent out an all-out blitz, and Josh Dobbs had to throw it away on a screen pass. So, like, and it was the quick game, too. It's not like these long-developing plays and this, that, and the other thing. It's the quick game. And they were playing very much off the line of scrimmage, these corners, when the blitz was coming or when they showed blitz, so it was easy to give up, you know, more yards. That's how Marquise Brown got his bread and all that other stuff. So that's one thing I don't like. The other thing I'll pick bones with Wink Martindale is this. First of all, it's very concerning, in my opinion, that Leonard Williams did not actually start this game. It was credited to either Sean or Raheem Nunez Rochez. Why were those guys playing meaningful snaps, A, on passing downs, and B, on goal line situations? Why is that happening? You didn't pay these guys to sit here and play those... T- if they were the only defensive tackles, fine. Do what you got to do, right? You know, if certain guys are injured, fine. But, and I mean but, they are your backups. They're not meant to play this many percent of the snaps in real-time situations. They're meant to stop the run and do whatever else you need them to do. The Giants got ran over still in the running game, which is not something I appreciate because we signed all these guys to stop the run. still can't happen. And, you know, uh, Leonard Williams not on the field during pass rush snaps. I mean, is it either just a mismanagement of assets or you don't believe in Leonard Williams to get to the passer? It's my opinion. But that's all I got to say about the defense. So let's talk about the snap counts and then go to final thoughts. So Evan Neal, Marcus McKeithen. Josh Azudu, Daniel Jones, and John Michael Schmitz played 100%. 97% for Barkley, 90% for Waller, 82% for Slayton, 75% for Hodgins. 66% Paris Campbell, 54% Mark Lewinsky, 46% Ben Bredesen, 41% Daniel Bellinger, 21% Jalen Hyatt, 15% for Sterling Shepard. Matt Parrott was the extra tackle on a few times, you know, really in those T formations. 15, uh, excuse me, 7%, Brightwell, 3%. 
and uh, Breida, 3% as well. Again, T formations. Now you take a look at the defense. Guys who did not get off the field, Banks, Okereke, McKinney, and Adoree Jackson. Jason Pinnock, 98%, uh, 94% for Tibbs, so he did play a lot. Micah McFadden at 75, 71% for Dexter Lawrence, 63% for Trey Hawkins, Leonard Williams at 58, 55 for Jihad Ward, 42% for Akeem Nunez-Roches, 32% for Ashawn Robinson, 31% for Ocean Zimenez, 26% for DJ Davidson, 20% for Carlos Bastion and Isaiah Simmons, both who were traded for, uh, 9% for Dane Belton and Bobby McCain at 5%. So there's that. Now let me get into my final thoughts. Let's continue to wrap it up here, folks. One of the shorter episodes I've done, but, I mean, you know, it's better for you guys. It's better for you guys. The Giants need to pick it up, okay? We had expectations coming into this year. This team is going to be, you know, a playoff contender. They're going to, you know, win the division, some said. If you were to ask me right now if the Giants were going to make the playoffs... I would say no. I'm going to answer you honestly. I, I can't be this fanboy. I will say no because they need to show me that they actually can compete with the big boys. And they haven't been able to do that. They got their ass kicked by Dallas. And they got blown out in the first half by Arizona and came back. Because for some reason, Arizona let their guard down. And the Giants made adjustments. Fine. But I want to see those adjustments against better teams. San Francisco. Seattle isn't a pushover. You got Miami. They got some elite weapons. You got Buffalo. They're no pushover. So you're going to have a tough schedule the next few weeks. It's no surprise to anyone. And I think the next few weeks, we're going to find out, and we should have already found this out, but nonetheless, Daniel Jones, right? And I don't talk about his contract situation any much, uh, too much, excuse me, because I think it's a lot of clickbait and all that other good shit right you know people get the views oh daniel jones i talk about daniel jones when i think it's valuable to talk about daniel jones i give him praise criticism whatever if he can't come out here and of course barkley you know we know is injured and i'm not going to blame dable for running him out there of course it's just there was a 300 pound lineman there and you know he kind of like bent the wrong way it was only a sprained ankle so it's up to three weeks is the recovery time don't bring him back too early like we saw what happened in 19 we saw what happened in 21 but with Breed in the backfield with brightwell in the backfield with gray in the backfield and if they choose to sign somebody else which i don't think will happen if they elevate taiwan jones another time and say he's gonna be the running back which i don't think will happen but we're gonna find out if he's worth the 40 I don't want to hear the excuses. Like, I get it. If the offensive line is just bitter putrid, then I'll say it. The offensive line is just bitter putrid. Against the 49ers, some of these other teams are facing, whatever. It's not going to be an easy contest. But, and listen, I'll take being competitive. I don't like moral victories, but I'll take being competitive over the 49ers, you know. Um, I'll take being competitive in certain other games. But there are games you're going to need to at least pull out that nobody expects you to. The Bills might be one of those games. And then you play Washington, and then you play the Jets and a couple other teams. But we're looking at right now. The Giants have some teams that we thought they were going to be bad, but they might be pretty good. The Packers being one of them. But it goes back to my point. We can talk about competitiveness and this and that, 
Daniel Jones, in my opinion, needs to prove over the next few weeks that he's worth $40 million. I'm not saying all oh, the 102 passing yards. Oh, no, 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 none of that shit. I needed 200 passing yards at least each game. And I know that's a bar that's a little lower than most people would say. But against the Niners, I mean, they're an all-pro defense. We know their front is scary. We know their linebackers are scary. But, man, we got to find a way to beat these teams. Or else we're never going to get over the hump. I'm going to be honest with you guys. If we can't be competitive or even win some of these games, we're not getting over the hump with anything. We'll be making excuses for the rest of our lives. So, and it, it does start with the quarterback. Like, I'm not going to say all the problems are on him, but it does start with the quarterback stepping up. If Daniel Jones can step up and give us a solid effort against the San Francisco 49ers, then we could say, okay, we gave a good run. We need to win. We need to win against Seattle. But the future is the future. I don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen. Like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. See if I can get a 49ers guy on uh, for the preview. If not, of course, you know, there's always uh, another time. I don't know. But anyway, peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.